Welcome to Crystal Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Jenny. In today's episode, we speak to Argentinian wine sommelier Diego Esteban about his love affair with wine and why Argentina is becoming more and more popular in your local wine store. Diego has been in the wine industry for the last 15 years. Now running his own business, he has taken on the role as a host and entertainer who is passionate about premium wines and educating the world about why you shouldn't skip Argentina on your next wine adventure. Join us as we learn about Argentine wine culture, hear about a love story, explore Diego's craziest tasting to date, and find out why women in North America, just like me, never want to leave Buenos Aires. In fact, I may have to go back for the fourth time very, very soon. You can currently find Diego's virtual wine tasting experience on the Airbnb Experiences platform, where he has chosen to offer a number of slots as -as pay-as-you-wish service. Diego will be donating a percentage of proceeds to his local homeless community at the end of each month. I hope you enjoy our conversation and consider supporting Diego in his charitable endeavor. Before we get started, I wanted to tell a story about one of the wines that I tasted with Diego. And I've been on two tastings with Diego in Argentina, and then I went on a grand adventure in Mendoza by myself, um, largely uh, based off of Diego's recommendations, and I had a great, great time. But I have to say that I don't think I would have ever tried what I'm about to recommend had it not been for Diego's expertise and kind of introduction uh, to wines that are not in Mendoza. So as part of his tasting, he really um, goes out of his way to teach people that the totality of the wine industry doesn't exist in Mendoza. And one of those wines comes from a vineyard um, called Manos Negras, and it's a Pinot Noir, and it's made in Patagonia. And Patagonia is not the first place in South America that people think of for wine, but I have to say that that wine changed my life. Um, It is really easy to drink. It's very smooth. It goes with a lot of different kinds of foods, but I remember sitting in a hotel in Mendoza my last day waiting um, to go to the airport before I would go back to Buenos Aires and this is right before my transition back to the United States at this last uh, trip uh, in the end of 2019 and I saw it on the menu and I don't think I would have chosen a Pinot Noir in Mendoza um, had it not been for the experience of having it at a wine tasting before. And I remember um, just sitting kind of in this hotel courtyard patio with this lovely glass of Pinot Noir and feeling really happy and just content and feeling happy because not only was I in a beautiful venue in a foreign country, but also happy to support uh, a smaller uh, vineyard that really promotes the winemakers kind of really being involved in the winemaking process. And I think that as given all the difficult stuff that's been going on recently, I think we're being also asked to return to a time where we actually paid attention to nature and some of the people that pay the most attention to nature are the winemakers and those that are actually working on the vineyards. 
So I just want to say thank you to Diego for making this recommendation. Thank you to Manos Negras for producing this amazing Pinot Noir that I love and wish I could get um, outside of Argentina. And just to encourage all of you to begin to ask questions. And as you are going into your wine store, really ask yourself whether or not this bottle of wine is bringing you closer to nature or if it's just something that you think you're supposed to drink. Hi, Diego. Thank you for Hello. talking with me today. Hello, Jennifer. Thank you for receiving me in your virtual experience or virtual interview podcast. How do you call one of these? We're doing a podcast. Podcast, podcast. Perfect. Yes. So you and I met, I guess it was maybe like a year ago. I think a year ago when I was down in Buenos Aires and I hopped into one of your um wine tasting experiences and i think i did this steak steak and wine experience exactly, first exactly the the premium steak and top notch wine experience in august i think to be precise well you have a better memory than i do I, I mean i do i do follow i do follow the i do follow up with those guests that i usually keep in touch so uh, that's why I checked today on the Instagram. When was that event? It was in August. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so last August, I was in Buenos Aires. I went on your experience. I had a great time, and I actually, I think it's the first time I've ever learned anything about uh, Argentinian wines. And so can you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and kind of how you got into wine and just give us an overview of what's going on in Argentina and wine land. Of course, of course. So I, I always start with this very tiny but beautiful story about when I was 19 years old. I was studying finance and uh, my family was very tight on money. So I had to pay for my own studies. And uh, my family, basically, they gave me the best education they can pay with their money. So I learned English, Portuguese, Italian. So at the time... This wine bar was hiring people. They said, sir, you don't have experience, but if you can manage to work with us, we're gonna teach you all that we can about wine and gastronomy. Lucky for me, they were the, one of the biggest at the time wine bars in Argentina, the only one that offered more than 20 wines by the glass. One thing led to the other. Two weeks in the job, 12 Americans from Texas come. Uh, the sommelier last minute says, I can't make it. What are we going to do? They paid top dollar for a premium wine tasting. Who does speak English here? Diego raised the hand, 19-year-old Diego. Two weeks in the job only. Of course, these loaded Texans uh, focused more on drinking rather than learning. So that was great for me. That was great for me because... I told her really nice stories about the labels and not so much about the wine. Uh, at the end, at the end, uh, even though I was giving English lessons to pay for my studies, in that first wine tasting, the tips of these people was far more than I was doing as an English teacher. So again, one thing led to the other, never actually worked in an office, never actually worked in finance, ended up in the winemaking industry. And for the last 15 years, I worked in Lots of premium hotels, lots of hospitality gigs, lots of restaurants, wine bars. And in the last four and a half years, yes, I have my own business, my wine tasting room. 
I try wines from all around Argentina, had the opportunity to travel to Europe, the opportunity to travel all around Latin America. So now, yes, I host during this quarantine period, online experiences about Argentinian wines. So to finish about your last question, how's doing Argentina nowadays? Amazingly, in the winemaking industry right now, it's far more than Malbec, it's far more than Mendoza. And on these classes that I give to the rest of the world, uh, that's what we aim for, to teach them that it's far more and you can find these wines anywhere in the US, in Canada, in Asia, in Europe. So that's my job right now, uh, spread the word about Argentinian wines. Huh? And can you give us a little history of when Argentina kind of hit the wine map in terms of becoming more and more popular? Because I've noticed, it's, you know, my wine store here in Canada in Vancouver has a very large Ar Argentinian section. I think it might be larger than Spain, the Spanish section now. Um, and so it feels like in the past few years, it's grown in popularity. And I'm wondering if you can give us some insight as to what's been going on. Kind of, of in the course, of course. You're, you're definitely right. You're super accurate saying that in the last years, Argentinian wine has become insanely popular. People love Amalvec. People love Argentinian wine. Just now, they're realizing that there are other grapes besides Malbec, but still Malbec is our biggest example of Argentinian wine, or at least our main representative. It's the flagship red wine of Argentina. When did this actually start? Uh, if we talk about Argentina history in the winemaking industry, we have to go back to 1853. But if we have to talk about quality, about becoming popular, it's a slow process that started in the early 2000s, late 1990s, with different wineries that they started to take a new approach on wine production, mainly to export. Uh, and the countries outside Argentina, they were demanding for quality. Mm. The, market, the market in the late 80s, in the early 90s, was destroyed, destroyed in Argentina. The winemakers were producing wine, but they didn't have uh, customers or people to actually sell those wines because in Argentina it became very, very popular, the consumption of beers and cocktails and vermouths nowadays also. So as those markets started growing and the wine was so poor in quality before the 90s in Argentina, different winemakers from all over the world came to Argentina to help as consultants for different wineries that they said, what are we going to do with our wines? And it's in the late, late 1990s that uh, different winemakers discovered Argentina as a big, big nation with big potential to produce amazing wines. And very few of these, of these wineries took a leap of faith with the consultants. As they started producing wine, they started exporting wine. They saw the big success of the richer, bolder Malbecs and other grapes that in the next few years are going to be the next big red wines of Argentina. They saw the potential, they saw the profit, and immediately Malbec started to be more and more and more elaborated by other wineries. They saw the other wineries gaining top dollar, and they say, we should focus in the same process. And they started hiring people from France, from Italy, from the United States. They came down here, they invested in Argentinian soil, they invested in infrastructure. Nowadays, Mendoza, due to this huge, huge, huge outbreak of fine quality wineries. It's our Disney world for wine, I say. The infrastructure that they have, it's 
incredible. If you go to Mendoza, you rent a car and you can visit like dozens of winery in, in a week. You have thousands of them to pick. Uh, and yes, in the beginning of the 2000s, more and more and more investors started to produce wine in boutique wineries. What are boutique wineries? Wineries that they focus in quality, other quantity, and by 2010, everyone knew about Amalbec, and in the last five years in particular, Argentinian wine has hit the biggest rankings in magazines, or in like Wine Spectator, the Cante magazine in, in, in the UK, and, and big, big wine critics all over the world rated Argentinian wines above 90 points, which for a product from Latin America reaching uh, those ratings, actually any magazine that rates a, a wine above 90 points, it's talking about serious quality. So now at the beginning we had investors, leap of faith on the fine quality ones, they got the profit, once they got the profit, started developing more projects. And in the very end, with the biggest ratings and awards in different competitions, in the last five years, that's how the Malbec from Argentina was established or declared as the best dry red wine in Latin America, alongside, yes, our Chilean friends with their Carmener, but they've been doing it for more than 40 years, exporting wine. They actually drink far less than what they export. In Argentina, now we are exporting far more than the Chilean. Uh, and doing very, very well because of that. Hi. So I remember when I was in Mendoza and went to, I don't remember which vineyard I was at, but they were explaining that the wine that they might export might be um, formulated differently or um, created differently than the wine that's actually locally consumed. So can you talk a little bit about about what might end up like on my shelf in Vancouver or in the United States versus what I have access to when I actually go to Argentina? Very well, very well. So in Canada, in particular, you have the big, big corporation called LCBO, right? Uh, the LCBO, it's an entity that controls the liquor uh, that uh, comes into Canada, not in every province of Canada, but uh, in most part of Canada, they have the LCBO, and the LCBO, they try, they try, of course, to get as much as possible wine from the different countries, but of course, the ones that close the better deals are going to be part of the LCBO portfolio. So, it's really, really nice that in the, in the last years, more and more and more boutique wineries or medium-sized wineries uh, have started negotiations with the LCBO, so... If I had to speak about 10 years ago in Canada, you only were able to get the big five. The big five are five Italian families that they own the biggest wineries of Argentina, which in a way they kind of uh, determine the price of the wine in the market due to their huge amount of sales. Uh, and of course, they own most of the vineyards. Uh, but, but, Big but in the in the last specifically five years, uh, the LCBO has been opening uh, to new products. So now in Canada, even though when you come to Argentina, you can get a vast vast amount of wines, still nowadays in Canada you're not going to be able to find like limited editions or uh, tiny tiny production wineries, family-owned wineries. 
even if it is a boutique winery, the boutique wineries, we have to say that they don't produce as much as the big industrial wineries. Like a boutique winery in Argentina, it's a winery that produces between 50,000 to 200,000 bottles, where the industrials, they produce 95 million liters of wine a year, which is around 120 million bottles of wine a year that they distribute in more than 95 countries all over the world. These boutique wineries, when they try to negotiate with the countries, they have to take in account that each country is going to be delivered a very slow amount of wine, a very small amount of wine. But the LCBO has been closing negotiations uh, with wineries from Argentina, like Alto Cedro, like Colomé, uh, and I can give you uh, far more, uh, specifically because the, of these ratings, of these wine press, wine media, as they start getting recognition, the LCBO goes like, okay, so now we can see if they want to enter the Canadian market because the Canadian market is, is the third most important uh, consumer of Argentinian wine, being only mm -hmm. surpassed by the United States in the first place and uh, UK and rest of Europe as a second market. Uh, but Canada does buy lots of wines from Argentina. The only problem, yes, is that they mainly focused on the big wineries that they can actually supply that demand of wine because if the LCBO tells you, give me, you're going to work with us, give me 10,000 cases. If you're a small winery, you don't even produce 2,000 cases. Uh, you, you just don't want to work with the LCBO. But these medium-sized or boutique wineries that produce around 200,000, yes, they can manage to send them not a thousand cases, but maybe, I don't know, 500 of one line, 500 of another one. And in the end, uh, they now are starting to have presence in, in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I noticed, you know, I was just in the wine store recently and it just kind of people watching, you know, my local community walk into a wine store and people seem pretty confused when they go into a wine store. And I overheard this conversation, this woman was trying, you know, cause we just opened up from COVID and people are starting to have dinner parties. And it's like the first time people have been out of their house in like two to three months. And so she was trying to buy wine for a dinner party and she just kind of just stood in the middle of the store and was just like staring and no one was actually coming over <laughs> to help her. And, and when someone finally did approach her, she said, she's like, I'm just looking for wine that's gonna make people happy. I'm looking for wine that's gonna bring, bring people together. What would you recommend? And the, you know, the person working at this particular store started going off on like kind of, you know, either like very scientific details or like tasting notes. And she was looking actually for something that was gonna bring like a very diverse group of like six people together. So. I know that you've been hosting experiences for a while, but have you noticed this discrepancy in the wine world between what people actually want and need and versus like what the industry kind of promotes in their stores? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice point. Uh, me in particular, as, as you know, I, when I host a tasting or when I host an online class, that's the first mistake that I, I mean, that, that I found, that I find when I, when I, when I go to a wine store or even in Argentina, we have supermarkets that they have a person qualified to guide you through the wine aisle in the supermarket uh, because the, the figure of the sommelier of the wine expert or wine communicator, uh, it's been gaining lots of recognition. For me, not as important as it should be in a country like Argentina. But in the last years, it's been gaining more recognition. And 
that's the thing. Let's take the example of this of this woman that she went to the to the wine store and asked for a wine that is gonna make everyone happy. Uh, that's a tough one, but if you actually know how to uh, de develop a few questions in more in less than three questions already, you can definitely find the wine for her. Uh, when you start talking about tasting notes, aromas, flavors, the people they just like get confused. Uh, yeah. So you gotta talk about the simpler way possible, right? The simpler way possible. I strongly believe that uh, it exists the possibility of finding a wine that uh, can make people happy, but each and every person, of course, they have their own taste. Uh, and that's why the, is this gonna make me happy? It's, it's like a kind of a tricky question, but in two or three questions, it's like, okay, so what do you usually go for? What do you usually like? How much do you want to spend? With those three questions, you can already uh, settle and, and focus for what the people are actually looking for. So that's that's basically what I would recommend to anyone to anyone that that goes to a wine store because, as you can say, it's it's getting more and more confusing every every year. Mm -hmm. I mean, this year we have last year we had 700 wineries in Mendoza. Now we have 880 uh, and more than a thousand, more than 1,200 around the around the country uh, and this is not happening just in argentina uh, they are developing wineries in brazil they are developing wineries uh, in bolivia they are developing wineries in countries that you have never expected just in the morning i have i had an interview like i'm having with you with a with a wine expert from cyprus and he was telling me about wines from cyprus cyprus eight hundred thousand people i just learned that today really really small country producing wine who knew that Cyprus was going to have really interesting wines? I didn't know that. So it's getting confusing. It's getting confusing because you get to the wine store, you have in the same price range between 10 to $20. You have suddenly you have not hundreds, but thousands of labels. So how do I pick the best ones, the best ones or, or those who are uh, a step ahead of the others? That's when we need an expert, an expert that uh, I do no sommeliers i am a sommelier and i do know that we uh that we are very flamboyant when we speak about the wine and it's beautiful when you hear us it's like poetry but when you go to buy a wine you're not going to remember not even the half of the words that we say so it is possible to find wines that makes everyone happy at the wine store yes but you need the proper guidance that's for sure so if the proper guidance does not exist, especially during COVID times when we might just mm -hmm. be walking down the street because the only thing open is our like store, like, how have you encouraged your clients to kind of begin to just like explore and try, try so, new things? So first of all, first, first of all, uh, I am a very big supporter of not judging a wine by its price or not judging a wine by its label. Don't judge, don't judging, uh, uh, don't judge a wine by its color. Uh, there are certain people that they say, "Oh no, check this wine; it's not too dark. Probably it's not going to be full-bodied." Or then I hear, "Oh, check that label; looks like very old school. Probably it's going to be as strong as an Italian wine." Or then you hear, mm, five dollars for an Argentinian wine? Mm, no, maybe we should spend ten or fifteen. It depends on what you like. Uh, there is a style that you will look for uh, or it, that it suits you better than others. 
And for example, from Argentina, if you're going to have a really nice, light-bodied, but fruit-forward wine, in the United States, for $6, you can get those. And sometimes that $15 wine is not the one that suits you. So my, my recommendation, first, don't judge by price, color, or, uh, or label. Uh, second, second, and this is not just about Argentinian wines, but uh, if you go to the wine store and you're going to look for wine, um, and there's a certain specific type of food that you like or a certain specific style of wine that you look for, full-bodied, medium-bodied, light-bodied, or intense, easygoing, or you want something more simple, do read the back labels. I mean, make, I mean, go do your homework. Uh, each and every day, there are lots of wineries that are adding more and more information behind the label to guide the consumer. Some, some labels, I do know, yes, at the back label you read and you find a huge story, you don't want to read the whole story, but, but usually those wines that tell you a really beautiful story and not so much about the wine are the ones that definitely something are hiding. I'm not saying that every winery does that, but they want to, I mean, let's say that you go for a $5 wine. Again, you go for a really, really cheap, nice bottle of wine, doesn't matter where it comes from, and on the back label, it starts talking about our environment and the animals and the, and the terroir <laughs> and the, the yes, that you can pair this wine with steak and sushi and salads and every, every single thing. There's, no, there's not a single wine that you can pair with a ribeye and sushi at the same time. So if you see that, like distrust that wine, uh, but mainly, mainly focus, focus in the descriptions that are going to tell you more about the characteristics of the wine than the story that is behind the wine. There's very beautiful stories behind lots of wineries. There's a lot of people working behind a bottle of wine. But if I have to say like one tip eh, that like, please take your time, check out the back label if the front label doesn't say much. and. Uh, you're going to be in for a better guidance. At least you're not going to be in zero knowledge before you buy the wine. If they don't say nothing and you just don't trust that the wine is going to be good or bad because they don't say nothing, keep looking until you see that one that is going to suit your taste or going to suit the style of wine that you like. And probably it doesn't matter which price range you go for, you're going to find one at least in this thousand C of labels that we see in the wine stores nowadays, that is going to suit your style. It's just a matter of, yes, it's going to take a little bit more from you if you don't have the guidance, but in less than 15 minutes checking out labels in the price range that you look for, you're going to find your wine. Okay. So I, you, you've probably met hundreds, if not like thousands of people through the years after being in the industry for 15 years and you've been doing tastings for a long time. Do you have a favorite story about a couple that's come to your tastings, especially yeah. in Buenos Aires, because it's such a, it's, people are going for wine, tango, romance, you know, kind of the whole. I the do, whole I do. I, in my 15 years, I'm going to tell you two stories. Okay. First, first we're going to start with the romantic one, which uh, for a little bit more than four months, there, there was this guy that uh, his soon-to-be wife, uh, they both 
loved wine. They both loved wine. They always, always loved Malbec and they wanted to come to Argentina. Uh, so he was like, Diego, I want a private tasting with you and my wife. Uh, is there a possibility that you can be there with me? Uh, just the three of us. I don't want any anyone else being in, in there with us. Then two weeks after he reaches me again, hey, so yes, I mean, the budget is perfect. It's, it's not as expensive as I thought it would be. Uh, can we do more reds than whites? And he started being more specific about the, the wine part. So then, yes, he said, okay, I sent him a lineup and the different dishes. And then he said, like, can we change something? Because she loves these and I love these, so we can actually have a better experience. So at the beginning, it was like, wow, this guy is really looking into surprising his woman, definitely. I mean, as soon as we come down to Argentina, the first thing we do, uh, second day of the trip, first day, we arrive, we rest, next day, we go to your tasting. So that same day, that same day, the guy said to me, Diego, Diego, uh, hello, uh, this is my beautiful wife. Uh, Jenny, like you, and uh, he said, Jen doesn't know this, Diego, but I'm going to propose to her in between the fourth and the fifth wine. Aww. Would you mind, would you mind please filming that moment? Huh? And I said, I have a better idea. Just, just for, uh, just for, as a promotion for the, for the space, I'm going to ask you and Jenny, you have to convince her, let me use our HD camera and I'm just going to put it filming the, the, the whole tasting so everything gets recorded. And uh, so we recorded the entire session and in between the two, yes, I just left to pick up some dark chocolate truffles that, I'm gonna, that they were going to go amazing with the, with the, with the fifth wine. And uh, the guy just like... Uh, he said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Diego for something else. So he went to his backpack. Uh, they were like really, really young couple. Uh, he took the ring and uh, suddenly, uh, when I was pouring the, the fifth wine, hmm, uh, she was going to, I said like, like focus, can you look at the color? Look closely, look closely, look closely. And she went to see the, the wine very, very, very close. And suddenly, uh, he like got the the perfect timing. We we have this amazing connection with the guy with with Jason, and Jason like put the put the ring on the dish uh, just next to the truffles. When he got when she gets back, she goes like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and uh, she see that, and Jason was doing the knee whole uh, the whole will you marry me and all that stuff. And it, it was like really, really beautiful. They were like really young. I hope that they, they, they stayed together. Uh, they clearly loved wine and they clearly loved each other. Eh? So that would be the most romantic, but- You now, haven't gotten a, you haven't gotten a wedding invitation yet? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, uh, this was like four years ago. It was a, a okay. while ago. Uh, didn't get the invitation, but definitely was a very important part of that proposal. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And then let me take you the second one. I had two couples came to the to the tasting. There was supposed to be four of them and a Brazilian guy, super flamboyant, 
gay fella from Brazil, really, really cool, cool guy, uh, Fabricio. I remember his name because Fabricio, the next day that he had that tasting, he just couldn't believe what the heck happened. Uh, so these two couples, one of them, the day before, they went out pretty, pretty late and they came and they said to me, we're at a cruise, we are both swinger couples and you know what, we just, we just wanted to try the best Argentinian wine and we are basically getting shit faced all over the cruise, all in different countries. And just yesterday we had a really, really long night. Uh, so you just bring us any wine, any wine we're going to drink it. So from a wine tasting or sort of class, it turned out to be like a, a really, really nice, uh, engaging Saturday afternoon conversation with the, the two guys. The one, one of the women that, that didn't came because she had, she was feeling sick because of the day after, and the other woman Jennifer that she had like two of the biggest breasts that I've ever seen in my life. She had a cleavage from the shoulder all the way down uh, to the belly button, and she was like flamboyant as the gay guy from Brazil, always like going yes, yes, no, no. Yes, I love this. Oh, whatever. I'm just but do you have some ice? This wine, it's like really, really strong. And I was like, I was laughing because they were laughing. And suddenly they say, Okay, Diego, why don't we take a picture of the whole group? And it's like, yes, more than happy to do that. Thank God it was just the Brazilian at the tasting, and it wasn't a tasting for 11, 13, or 15 people, because she stands up, her husband, like tries to take off one of the sides of the cleavage, so boob out, you know? And yeah, in the middle of the tasting, before I take the picture. Like vision, like, and visualize, like, what the hell is going on in the middle yeah. of the Yeah, I was like, nah, 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 she, I mean, she's not gonna, she, she's not gonna allow that. And she's like, oh, oh, like, burger off. And she was like, this British woman, burger off, burger off, you, leave me alone. She said, come on, come on, one boob, one boob. Just one boob. And it's like, and the guy is like, takes the boob out and the woman goes like, instead of saying like, oh, come on. He said, okay, if one is out, why not both of them? And she basically, yeah, show of, of massive tits at a wine tasting. Uh, that could be wow. one of the most uh, shocking stories about a tasting. Of course, nowadays I do it in public spaces, not private. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult to repeat that one. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in 15 years, you would be surprised the amount of things that people do when you put some wine in front of them. <laughs> Was that just because of the wine or delay? Like, they, clearly, they clearly had a personality. Uh, yeah. She in wow. particular, or they in particular, I don't know if every single person that is a swinger in the world is like that. I mean, I don't have many swinger friends, but uh, it was a very bizarre relationship that they had the three at the, at the moment. Uh, uh -huh. Probably if the other woman wasn't there, that didn't happen. Or maybe instead of two, I have seen four tits, who knows? But uh, <laughs> it was indeed- Or they got, uh, would have gone into an argument about like who had best for us. Exactly. It, they, they had a, a strong personality. They were very, very flamboyant as well. Uh, thank God that Fabricio was at the tasting because if it was a more serious person, 
probably it would have left the room right away. But he, yeah. instead of leaving the room, he gave a big smile. Take the picture, Diego. And uh, I took the picture and of course okay. that picture, that picture never never made it to Instagram or Facebook or any other <laughs> social media. Holy cow, that's a crazy story. Yeah. A really crazy story. Um, have you seen anything, I mean, because I feel like when people travel into Buenos Aires, Argentina, it's like they bring their crazy with them. Do you, like, what percentage of your wine tastings are, you know, people who actually want to learn versus where they're to have a crazy, crazy time? No, actually, actually, most part of the, of the people that come to, uh, to the tastings, uh, first of all, they want to drink the finest. That's why they, they reach out to me. I only work with, with premium quality and, and, and small producers that they focus in quality rather than quantity. Uh, and second, second, yes, they really, really want to learn uh, because they love a fine Malbec, they love a fine Argentinian wine, but they really want to know why those wines are so beautiful, so elegant, so structured. Uh, you compare Argentinian wines with every single dish in the cookbook. Uh, if there's a dish that you like, there is an Argentinian wine that can go with it. Even hot spicy food to the most interesting cheese or chocolate, uh, you have an Argentinian wine to go with it because we have lots of regions and that's what they are surprised about when they come to the tastings. Then it's when they realize that Argentina is far more than Malbec and uh, there's an Argentinian wine world that's 80% of the wine world is not seen by the people from abroad because they're focusing in Malbec and Mendoza, basically. Right. Uh, and how many of your clients are coming in also to explore Tango? Well, so, I mean, I don't know exactly the, the amount, but I would say that 80% of the people that come to Argentina, they come to do the big three. The big three are tango, steak, and wine. Like I would say that steak and wine, it's like a must because if you go on vacation, you're gonna go to restaurants or you're gonna go out to have dinner. You don't wanna cook. You don't wanna stay inside of your Airbnb, apartment, hotel, cooking when you have the best steak in the world for a very affordable price. Uh, Specific, if, if you want to do it with wine, yes, the Argentinian wines, the quality price share, it's unbeatable now once you get down to Argentina. Nowadays, due to the evaluation, the finest quality wines of our country, they go from five to $10. And I'm talking about like top notch quality wines that you can find in Argentina. And if you're willing to spend in Argentina 20 to $30 in a wine, you are getting the top shelf wine at the restaurant. It's insane, it's insane. Uh, mm -hmm. I do receive people from all over the world at the online classes that I'm giving right now. And when I say that this wine in Argentina is $4, always jaw drops down. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's a great country to come, but yes, most part, most part of the people that come for the wine, they do go for the tango too. And they do go for the Argentinian tango because they, Tango is one thing and Argentinian tango it's another one. There's different eras of Argentinian tango as there are different eras of tango from other countries in the world. Even nowadays uh, at the competitions, the, the National World Cup of Tango that it's, it's held in Argentina 
almost every year, the World Cup of the Tango World Cup or the International Contest of Buenos Aires. It's the most prestigious in the world. Uh, and more than once, the Japanese couples won the competition, for example. So even in Japan, even in Japan, they, they are developing different styles of tango too. Uh, and of course, when you get there, you can have different categories of tango that you go and compete. And uh, the Japanese, the French, uh, Spanish, like each country, they are like focusing the different couples that they participate in different styles of tango. But tango, it's like big, big, big. You have seven days to be in, in Argentina. One of those seven days, you're going to go to the tango show. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I had to put it in percentage, probably 90% of the people that comes to the, to the tasting to have wine or to the dinners to have steak and wine, they do go to a tango show. But yes, be, be very careful because the tango shows are the touristy thing to do as a tourist. Yeah. Diego would go to a tango show, definitely, definitely. As a local, Diego would go to a tango show, no way. <laughs> if I want to go to see where the real tango relies in Argentina, I would go to a milonga, eh, which is where the locals go and dance tango without pressure, no judging. They just go, they dance. And it's beautiful because like really old, all the elders dance with young people. Even kids can go to milongas in the afternoon and dance with the elders or dance with their parents. Uh, and their parents would dance with other couples that are not precisely uh, your wife or your husband and you go and you dance and no one judges all, every person is very respectful of the other. Diego does dance tango? No, I suck at it. So I just <laughs> go there and watch them dance while I sip my glass of wine, yes, uh, on the side. It's not that I go very often to milongas, um, but at the same time, Jennifer, for Argentinian tango, it's not a dead dance, but uh, most of us in Argentina, we do not dance tango. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as plenty of people think that in Brazil, they all do samba. No, not every Brazilian dances samba, not every Argentinian dances tango. Right, so I brought it up because I'm a, I am a tango dancer. Um, and we have this joke when we are in North America because most of the women, like, we hate dancing it in North America and we hate usually the wine that comes to a malanga and, in North America. And so once we get a taste of being in Buenos Aires where we have both the wine and the tango, it's like people just like, especially women, never want to leave. And so we've you know, spent a lot of time talking about the reason for it and it's because everyone is very warm and friendly and heart-centered rather than being super technical about the dancing, which is usually what happens when it leaves, leaves Argentina. Um, and can you speak a little bit to just like Argentine culture in general and kind of what makes everything so special, special there? Re sorry, referring about in particular, like going to the tango or in general? Just in general, about kind of the energy and the just the way you guys live your lives, and why, like, why would it be, you know, someone from North America who, um, like, would go and feel kind of like instantaneously at home? Like, what is going on? Nice, nice, nice. Well, that's now that you yeah, that yeah, that you put up uh, that you yeah, that you pointed out that like you going as an American to Buenos Aires. First of all, first of all. Uh, Argentinians, in general, we are very warm and welcoming, even in, in big cities, even in big cities. 
specifically Argentinians that do speak the language, that do speak the language, they love, they love a tourist to feel like at home. You come down to Argentina and if you find someone that speaks English, that Argentinian would want you to know, I speak English as well. I'm gonna show you the best of the best of Buenos Aires, the best steakhouse, the best wine, the best this, the best that. Uh, we love, love, love that the people from abroad feel at home in Argentina. Uh, even if you go to, uh, let's say a shop, let's say a shop, any shop, uh, and you try to buy something and you don't speak the language, that Argentinian will do its best to understand what you need. And if he, he just can't, he would just take out his phone or the Google or anything to let's make this uh, fast and easier for both of us. Uh, he's not gonna start cranky like, ah, if you don't speak the language, just you can go No, no, no way. The only ones that can do that, yes, maybe some, Cranky, cranky fellas, old fellas that they don't know how to use a phone. If they don't understand, they just say, I don't understand. Just go along, go to another store, but it, not in a rude way even. It's just, I just can't help you, sorry. Uh, but uh, we are very warm and welcoming. So being from a road and coming down to Argentina, if you're an open-minded person, you'll be uh, received with, with open arms. That's one thing. And second, second, Argentinians, when we go out, when we when we are at a bar, when we are at a restaurant, we go to a milonga or a disco or a club. Uh, yes, yes, yes. When we see someone that is not from Argentina, for us it's like the novelty, always, always. Like we hear an accent and it's like, oh, 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 oh. Let's wait, let's wait, let's stop here. Um, by I don't know exactly why, but in Argentina we do have a big diversity of cultures nowadays mainly Italian and Spanish, which were the conquistadors from Spanish that basically found the city, and the Italians that immigrated from, from Italy in, in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s, in the Second World War. Uh, they defined the, not just the culture, the gastronomy, but uh, uh, and, and the, the, the astronomy, the food, and different types of dances. Like tango wouldn't have been a thing in Argentina if the French people wouldn't come down here. Uh, that we need to to, to admit, but for example, in Buenos Aires, we wouldn't speak the way we do if it wasn't for those Italians that reached out to Argentina. And some people actually say that all Italians are sweet talkers with the ladies and they, if you go there and you're a tourist, they go and they try to eat your ear all the time, telling you all about, oh, you're from the US, America, blah, blah, blah. Argentinians, Argentinians, they do have a little bit of that too. It doesn't matter that every single Argentinian uh, is a sweet talker, but, but, big but, uh, the Italians left a big print in the way we speak with our hands. Uh, I always say at the, at the classes, like, we do like this, like that. I mean, the, all the gestures <laughs> that the Italian use uh, in Argentina, they are vastly used. Our slang words come from the Italians. And of course, uh, then we have the, the Spanish culture also of, uh, of, the, of the small cities and neighborhoods where even in big, big cities, Argentinians, the codes for friendship, the codes for family are big. Uh, in Argentina, it's very difficult. Not every family, their kids go to universities very far away in different provinces. Usually they do it where they are. They have a university, they go there. Uh, 
the, the education level, even the public in Argentina is big, so they stay there. Every single Sunday, if your family calls for lunch, you go, you don't doubt it, you go. Uh, there's a big sentiment of like, for respect for the elders, respect for your parents. Uh, it's not just that you uh, go because they tell you to, no, you go because you want to, because it's sacred. And with friends is the same. Every every Friday or Saturday evening, at least once, you want maybe if you're in a relationship, one you go out with a girlfriend, the other one you're gonna see your friends, uh, or the other way around, or you can take your girlfriend with your friends both times, or go both times with your friends. Uh, but always, always one night a week, uh, we gather, we mingle, we get to see new people or exactly the same. I don't see, I don't know many people that they have friends for 20 years straight, like in Argentina. In Argentina, you go to primary school with someone and you might still talk to that guy. Uh, and it's a common thing. It's a common thing. Mm -hmm. So you just said something that kind of, I, I think is really beautiful that you guys think of relationships as sacred. So it's not that you have this, like you get invited to your parents Sunday brunch or whatever and you're complaining about it you actually want to go and spend time with your friends and family and I think that sometimes is very different um, in North America um, and so I think um, I wondered if there were going to be more and more traveling to Argentina right now because your wines are becoming more popular but people are kind of craving being in cultures where there is just kind of this you know love of relationships and you know um, kind of no. honoring that exactly we as, as argentinians wine it's always it's always been since the very beginning the with or without the quality from today there was always wine in the center of the table and it was always the 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 type of booze that argentinians would go for when they eat is the best always in argentina and actually actually wine wine itself is by law the national beverage in argentina if you talk about the national beverage of argentina it's wine it's you go to see some wines i don't know if, if, let, let me check if i have a bottle here that has that logo it's uh these are all here let me see if, if i can put it there there there's this logo that looks like yeah. grapes yeah the wine okay. from argentina they're very proud of their production, are of their industry. So that logo says Vino Argentino Bebida Nacional. Even on the labels, we want people to know that wine, above all, is our national beverage. Vino Argentino, Argentine wine, is the beverage by law, the official from Argentina. And it's great. And as you said, wine brings people together from all over the world. Uh, that's why at my tastings, I mean, you've been at one of my tastings with two guys yes. from Germany, a girl from Israel, others from the US, and you, all of you at the end, you went to keep drinking wine to another bar. Uh, the, not just my tastings, but any situation, you're at the bar, you're at the restaurant, you're drinking wine, you see someone alone, uh, I always say like, hey, you're alone? Yes, do you like wine? Yes, come on, join us, we're opening a bottle. Not many people do that, but in Argentina, if yeah. we see someone, if we see someone alone on the corner, I mean, if you're a girl, uh, don't feel like, okay, these two guys just like are trying to hit on me. No, no. It's like, they really want you. If you're alone, we're drinking wine, come with us. Do you drink the glass and then you leave or you catch along with us? It doesn't matter. But uh, the 
sentiment of friendship, of relationships is big, and wines are big icebreakers in Argentina. Yes. Everyone yeah. loves a good wine from Argentina, and uh, and my tastings. Uh, when I travel around the world, uh, when I when I just like gather with friends, and and that sometimes it's like, hey Diego, this is you don't know him. He is this or she is that. Uh, blah blah blah. Always wine. It's like you want a glass of wine. Yes, no, whatever. But you offer the glass of wine as this. Okay, peace offering. You don't know me. I don't know you. Let's have this. It's big in Argentina. It's big. Yeah. It's not just with wine. I'm, I'm using wine as an example because it's the official national beverage. And when you think about Argentinian family in the 20s, in the 50s, in the 80s, in the 2000s, in the 2020, big, big gathering, family, friends, barbecue, asado, we call it. Always there's a bottle of wine. Always there's a bottle of wine. And that's really beautiful. And I, you know, I just did, because um, you just recently launched your uh, virtual wine tasting experience and I participated in the one that you just mentioned. And it was really amazing to kind of be on Zoom with people from different countries and learning more about um, Argentinian wines. And so can you kind of catch us up to speed as to what, what it is that you're doing with your virtual wine tastings and how people can find you? Of course, yes. So the the main idea occurred to me uh, one month and a half ago. Uh, the Airbnb people started firing, letting go people like crazy, because of course, because of the frontiers closed, they couldn't uh, rent their spaces anymore to anyone. They had to cancel reservations. They had to give lots of refunds. All at the same time, they started letting go people, uh, which makes total sense. It's the worst, but they had to let go people. If, if no one actually is renting spaces, they don't have uh, nothing to communicate. So they decided as an alternative for all those who were offering experiences, live experiences like my wine tastings in Buenos Aires or the dinners that I did in Buenos Aires, they said, why don't we launch online experiences? Zoom, it's becoming this big app, this big tool to communicate with everyone. It has the easiest, uh, features to communicate and they can, these meetings that everyone's doing, they're having a laugh about it. It's the only way that in lockdown people actually gather and, uh, and communicate with each other. I miss you, let's do a Zoom with the family. I miss you, let's do a Zoom with our group of friends. And the immediately, immediately, by request of the hosts of us that we were doing live experiences, we asked to the CEOs that that uh, that Airbnb has the the owner also Airbnb uh, did speak about why letting go these people and they said we are gonna start doing these online experiences. Everyone applied. Everyone applied. Uh, luckily, uh, even though there, there was a huge huge line, they they saw mine. I was very lucky. They reached out to me. They said, should we do a rehearsal? They approved it. And the thing is that you need a product. You need to give a class, but you need to be, to keep people in front of the screen. It's very difficult to, to get the attention of people in front of the screen for more than an hour. It's very, very yeah. difficult. Mm -hmm. So at the very beginning, when I started, uh, what I offered was at the very beginning, I was going to do an Argentinian wine and slang class. Uh, so you can actually learn how to 
ask for that wine in a proper way in Argentina. But in the end, I said, let's up this a notch. And instead of the slang, because if not, it's going, it was going to be a class in between language and wine, let's use, let's still use that slang, but to make people laugh. To make people laugh, let's, let's make these people learn about Argentinian wine and laugh at the same time, because that's what we are lacking right now. Big smiles, yeah. big yeah. laughs, that's what we are lacking right now. So they saw the experience, they loved the product, they said, well, in, one, in three to four weeks, uh, we'll reach out. It's not guaranteed that it is gonna, yours is going to be launched on the platform, uh, but but as soon as we get all the information that we need from you, plus internet connection and blah 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 blah, uh, they reached out and they said, Diego, you're now on the platform in less than a week. So I was like, oh shit, I, I haven't prepared <laughs> anything. Uh, so I said like, prepared a really nice description and Zoom after Zoom, class after class. I always ask at the end of the class that if the people have any feedback to keep improving, they do if they have any information that they want to share with me or ask any more questions because in an hour and a half to speak about all the winemaking industry in Argentina, it's impossible. But Zoom by Zoom, I understood that what you need to give to the people besides laughs because it is very important and besides the information, the knowledge is that things that they can still use for the rest of your life. In my case, my experience now is called Argentine wine fun class with a local sum. And in the description, the most important thing is like become the best Argentinian smart buyer that you can in an hour and a half. You're gonna learn all these tips. You're gonna laugh, we're gonna play, uh, we're gonna play also. Uh, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a big, big, big success. Uh, of course, I started, I started at $1. Yes, yes, one, just $1 for a class. Uh, to have a little traction in the platform to have more reviews. Luckily, in, in, in less than two weeks, I already got 120 reviews, which is a lot. They already put me in the best selling experiences of uh, Airbnb. And I definitely, definitely know, definitely know that it is because people laugh and learn at the same time. And at the very end, they actually have tools to go and buy those wines in any wine store anywhere in the world. Uh, and because of the big, big success, I decided that even though the regular classes are going to go from five to nine dollars, you did those. You can agree that they are very inexpensive for the type of experience that you're gonna that you're gonna get. I still decided to go for the one dollar experience to do four. Yes, and I do say four classes per week to help the people in the streets in Buenos Aires that they don't have a roof, that they don't have a house. There's plenty, plenty of uh, communal uh, diners and communal places to go and have lunch that they are trying to help these people, but they just don't have the manpower and the food to supply for everyone. So these $1 experiences, now they're going to be called the pay at will experiences. You pay your dollar at the end of the class if you enjoyed it and you think that it's worth to pay more, that's what you're gonna do. You decide at the end how much would have cost that experience for you, and then you send that money to Airbnb as a tip, but I don't consider it a tip because with that money, uh, you're gonna be paying what it's fair, what you consider it's fair, and 10%, 10% of all those 
uh, of all that income, which in Argentina 10% is the tip. So instead of giving a tip, don't leave a tip. Think of it as you are going to be helping these families that they don't have a roof in Buenos Aires. At the very end of the month, we're going to just collect that money, go buy, and with a group of friends that we cook for the people in the streets, uh, we're going to we're going to cook big pots of uh, of stews. That is winter is coming in Argentina, and you're going to be helping me, and you're going to be helping them, and we and I'm going to be helping you to get the best wines out there. Thank you very much, Jennifer, for giving me this space to, to say that. It's, it's really important to me that everyone, everyone gets the Argentinian wine, as the, not just Malbec and not just Mendoza. And at the same time, we can be helping people and helping me because in the last two months, I have, I have been out of job too. Uh, and now more than ever, now I can't deliver wine anymore because the, the permits have been stricter in Argentina to get out of the house. Um, it's the best time to, to learn about Argentinian wine and help uh, an Argentinian sommelier in the process. Yes, no, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. And um, I'd like to close uh, by asking people kind of if you can describe with two or three words kind of what your relationship with wine is, because that's your passion. So if you can de describe your relationship to wine, what would you tell people? My relationship with wine in three words? Yes. A love affair. A love affair. I love, a love it. Love affair. Music. Yes, definitely, definitely. It's a love affair with the wine because, I mean, I am in love with my girlfriend. I am in love with uh, my dog. But never, ever, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely leave the wine on the side. And my the wine. I have a love affair with wine since I ever since I tried the first the first dry red wine that wasn't uh, a shitty one because I used to drink very poor quality <laughs> wine. The first time that I tried, I do remember the first wine that I tried that I said this is a different planet. Uh, and um, since then, everything changed for me. Everything changed for me. And yes, it's a love affair. I had plenty of relationships with women. And I love my family and I love my dog, but uh, wine, it's always going to be there. And I think it's more than a love affair. It's the love of my life or something like that. We would call it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to be putting all of your contact information and links to your experience on the uh, website and on social media. So hopefully people can sign up. I know that I've learned so much from you um, have been really inspired uh, to explore some more. Um, I did go to Mendoza. You gave me lots of good recommendations, like it, it, your wisdom um, in this industry is um, impeccable and I'm just really grateful that I've crossed paths with you so thank you so much for everything that you thanks do to, and thanks to you Jennifer whatever you need as always say reach out eh? uh, it's always a pleasure thank you for joining us on this episode of crystal talk as always please consult your medical professionals or your mental health professionals um, as the purpose of this uh, podcast is for informational purposes only. 
If you have any questions or concerns, or if you simply have some ideas about topics that you would like addressed, please go ahead and email me personally at jenniferatrapportrelationships.com. Thank you for listening. Please go and subscribe and please leave a review if you are feeling particularly inspired to do so. Thank you. Thank you.